Good day. Once again, this is Brother Jim Ellis with Dispensational Ministries, and I welcome you to this podcast. This is the third in a series of messages concerning which Bible or where is the Word of God. And I think, as we've already said, it is our conviction that the King James Bible in the English language is God's Word upon this earth. Dispensational Ministries is a Bible-based ministry. And in that, we firmly believe that the Bible and all 66 books of the Bible are the inspired and preserved Word of God. We believe that every word in the Bible is inspired and given to us by the Holy Spirit of God. We believe the Bible, especially the King James Bible, is God's only authority to mankind on this earth. As we've said in previous studies, if God gave his word to mankind, and if God gives us God's divine plan for mankind and his eternal life to mankind, then it is vastly important that we know where his word is. Among all the translations which are in existence today, which Bible contains God's divine words to mankind? I've been studying this subject for a long, long time in the hopes of not sounding maybe egotistical or braggadocious, and I sincerely hope that it does not come across that way. It's not my intention to portray myself as something I am not. But this is such an important subject, I think I need to at least give the listeners some credentials to give credence for my teachings, what I am teaching in these King James Bible studies. I started out my Christian life pretty much like most people do. I was just a young man, not knowing much about religion or God or the Bible. The bulk of what I knew was that Jesus died for my sins and I had received his free gift of eternal life, and I was saved in Jesus Christ. I knew that for sure after I was saved, but not a whole lot more than that. Then one day, God began to call me to preach, and in December of 1973, I surrendered to that call. I soon learned that along with that call came a a command from God to preach his word. That's the purpose of God's call to preach, to preach His divine Word. Even at that time, I at least knew that if I was going to preach the Word of God, I needed to know what He had said in His Word. And if I was going to preach what to others, thus saith the Lord, then I had to know what God has to say to us. I knew I could not communicate to others something that I did not know much about. It would be a foolish endeavor, to say the least. Preaching is not a whole lot different from many other teaching responsibilities. If a person is going to teach others how to be a, only say an automobile mechanic or even a medical doctor or a lawyer, maybe just how to cook a meal, then they need to know all they can know about the subject that they're teaching. And soon I discovered if I was going to teach the Word of God as God had commanded His preachers to do, then I had to know 
without reservation where his word was. I soon learned that there were hundreds of Bibles uh, claiming to be the word of God. And even though I was fairly limited as to what I did know, I knew enough to understand that they all could not be the true word of God because they did not all say the same things. I've spent hundreds of hours in Bible colleges and universities and a seminary doing classwork, earning several advanced degrees, I think six to be exact, over the last 45 years. I've spent tens of thousands of hours in detailed personal Bible study. I've been preaching and teaching from the King James Bible for the last 46 years. You know, I, I haven't spent the last 46 years reading books and taking college courses or advanced studies about different matters such as maybe how to build an automobile engine. I don't know much about that or how to become maybe a biologist or or a lawyer, or a journalist, or journalism. I've spent my academic years in the study of the Word of God and all the surrounding elements involved in that study. There are a lot of subjects that I cannot speak authoritative on, but I believe with all my heart that this is not one of those subjects. I believe I have studied to the point that perhaps I have earned the right to speak with some expertise concerning the King James Bible. I've written over 60 study booklets and several book commentaries on individual books of the Bible. And all that time, I've come to the firm and settled conviction that the King James Bible is the preserved Word of God and it can be trusted without any reservation. There are no mistakes, no errors, no omissions or contradictions anywhere in the King James Bible. The Bible is the one greatest, most beneficial book any man or woman could spend time studying. It's not only the revelation of of God to us for eternal life and reconciliation to Him. It's also packed with just old-fashioned practical wisdom for living a successful life in this body of flesh. It contains volumes of preventive wisdom, wisdom which instructs us how to keep ourselves out of trouble as we journey through this life. So many young men and women ignore the truth that's contained in the Bible and go on in life without the preventive wisdom of God and without, well, truly without really meaning to, They descend deeper and deeper into the affairs of the world, which will only and always end in damage and hurt and eventual ruin. They don't start their life out as adults intending to fall into evil's trap. They do not consciously look for ways to ruin their lives. But neither do they heed the wisdom of God from the Word of God which instructs them how to avoid the evil pitfalls which are everywhere present in this world. Paul said that the world we live in is a present evil world, and its tentacles of evil are everywhere present. A person does not have to purposely start out to become engulfed with evil and its snares. 
But sadly, unless a person takes heed to the preventive wisdom in the Word of God in the Bible, evil's going to find them, ensnare them, and eventually ruin them. They do not have to purposely look for it. Wow, there's so many broken and ruined and distraught lives in this old world. Why is there so much dissatisfaction, sadness? Why is there so much, so many who are still young men and women, but in many ways their lives have been engulfed with the tentacles of evil? It has always been the main thrust of my ministry to encourage men and women to spend time in learning the truth of the Word of God, teaching others what God has privileged me to learn from the Scriptures in my life. That's been and is my life's goal and my ambition. It is what God has called me to do and it's what He has led me to spend my life doing. And in that time, I have learned that the most important knowledge and wisdom that a person can acquire is the wisdom and knowledge of God as it is revealed in the Bible. Now, if I thought for one single minute that there was another Bible anywhere on this earth which was better suited to be called the Word of God outside the King James Bible, I would encourage without hesitation everyone to buy and study that Bible. But my friend, there just simply is not. There's nothing in the realm of Christianity which can remotely be compared to the King James Bible. Let me give you a few technical aspects. I'm not going to get into this really deep or heavy. There's a lot of things been written about, written about it, and I think I've said if you wanted to take years and be bored out of your mind, you can study it. But let me just give you a brief overview about the differences between the King James Bible and all the other English translations on the market today. As we said in some other studies, there are some 900 Bibles which have been translated into the English language. As it exists today, there are two separate main sets of biblical manuscripts. One is known as the Textus Receptus, or the majority text, and the other is the Vaticanus Sinaiticus. The Textus Receptus is a set of manuscripts which have been copied and preserved down through time by true believers. The Vaticanus Sinaiticus is a corrupted manuscript. I'll explain. It has thousands of differences with the Textus Receptus. There are thousands of, or tens of thousands of, laborious and detailed and theological pages have been written concerning these manuscripts. Textual critics of every sort have examined and expounded their positions concerning the authority or the fallacy and preservation, purity, and validity of all of these manuscripts as the Word of God. And their conclusions and opinions are as diverse and numerous as sand on the seashore. As I said, if you have some years with nothing to do and a desire to be bored beyond imagination, you could begin reading those so-called learned opinions. But regardless, when all is said and done, and when every last theological argument is made, 
The main crux of it all is simply boils down to one simple question. Did God preserve his word over the centuries or did he not? Now he promised he would. So did he keep that promise? I read a story about a man who was part of an expedition in the old city of Alexandria that was located in the very northern tip of Africa. While they were excavating around that city, they found an old ancient garbage dump, garbage pit. And in that garbage pit, as they rummaged through it, they found some ancient manuscripts in in with the rest of the garbage. Now, before I continue this illustration, this man apparently never stopped to ask himself why these old manuscripts were thrown into the garbage pit to begin with hundreds of years ago. But this man spent several decades of his life translating those old ancient biblical manuscripts, and when he finished, his final conclusion was that all the manuscripts we have today are corrupted and contain thousands of errors because they were different from the ones that he found over there in Africa in the garbage. Now, this man considered himself to be on a quest to learn the truth, and perhaps he, he honestly thought he was doing something somewhat noble in his quest. But I, I just cannot help but wonder, why waste all those years studying something that was thrown out with the rest of the garbage when he could have spent that time studying the truth of the Word of God that is evident and right before us all? Sometimes the foolish things we think to do in life can be avoided by just asking a simple common sense question. In this case, perhaps he should have stopped and asked, well, why were these manuscripts in the garbage to begin with? Why did someone throw them away hundreds of years before? How foolish it is to conclude that something discarded as garbage a thousand years ago would totally discount and prove wrong the entire canon of Scripture. The King James Bible was predominantly translated into English from the Texas Receptus set of manuscripts in 1611. The translators tell us right at the beginning that it was translated out of the original tongues and with the former translations diligently compared, that is, all the translations of the Greek and Hebrew text which had come before the King James Bible. All the other 899 English translations were created by following the Vaticanus Sianicus. And as I said, there are thousands of differences in the words of the Textus Receptus and the Vaticanus Sianicus. Two men set out in the 1800s to revise what was commonly believed for centuries, and they put together a new manuscript text using these corrupt Vaticanus Sianicus manuscripts. This text became known as the Westcott and Hoyt text. And it's from this new text that the other English translations were created. The Vaticanus set was first known of in the 1500s, but it was not given any credence until much, much later. The Sianicus was not really found until 
1844 in a monastery and in a trash can in that monastery, and it was waiting to be burned with the other trash. So we ought to believe that according to modern scholars, that until these brilliant men came along and took these two manuscripts, reconciled the two together, and came up with the new Westcott and Hoyt text, that no one had a completed, fully preserved, and fully inspired Bible. That's what we are told we're supposed to believe. But... The Vaticanus, Sanicus, deletes, it adds to, it changes, not only words, but entire passages from those that are contained in the Textus Receptus. The Textus Receptus, or the majority text manuscripts, were recognized by Bible believers for almost 1,800 years to be the exact copies of the original manuscripts. It is my stated opinion that that's Textus Receptus, the majority text, is the preserved set of biblical manuscripts. The others are corrupt and twisted manuscripts contrived in the hearts of men to do damage to the truth of the Word of God. This settled conviction has come from years of detailed study and examination of the subject But in all honesty, my convictions come from something even greater than that, far more sound than just intellectual knowledge. It's come from the faith that God has promised that He would and has preserved His Word. After all these years, I've come to understand the tactics that evil uses in its fight against God and His divine plan for mankind. And there is nothing of a greater importance in that fight than the revelations of God in the Bible. It is the Scriptures, and as the Lord Jesus Christ told us, it is in the Scriptures where we find eternal life, or the message of eternal life. I'm convinced that these manuscripts, this Vatican of Sianicus, were planted some years ago by evil forces which only want to cause confusion among men and women as to where the Word of God is. Well, what we have now, basically, is two main sources of manuscripts, which both claim to be the truth and authority of God in His divine revelations to mankind. So, what are we to do? Well, men and women must make a choice. Which will they accept as the true word of God? Which Bible is the true and honest revelation of God? Since they both differ and differ in some very major areas, both cannot be the inspired word of God. So, here we are, left with a choice. Which Bible is the word of God? As I said in our first study, most Christian men and women think that the matter of the new translations is merely replacing the old archaic King James Bible words with more modern words. Modern words which are more commonly known and understood by modern-day English-speaking people. In fact, when I discuss this with other people, their response is usually... Well, the the new, new versions are easier for me to understand. 
and they consider it merely an issue between more modern language and the old outdated, what they believe outdated, Victorian English, as they would call it. They believe it to be that simple because that's what they've been told by the leaders. But I can assure you, my friend, it is far more involved than that. Evil has done what evil always does. It causes confusion, doubt, and discord. And in this case, it is in where is the truth of God. And I believe with the utmost conviction that the King James Bible is God's inspired word in English. And I do not believe that it can be or should be improved upon. Someone once asked me, why English? They said, was that not unfair to all the other people of the world who may not speak or read English? Well, in response, I'd ask you, how many people read or speak the ancient Greek or Hebrew? Very, very few. In fact, no one speaks the style of Greek, Koine Greek, that the New Testament was written in. It was the language of the common man in the times of the New Testament. Comparatively speaking, very, very few men and women are even able to read that style of Greek. Even in the modern state of Israel, English is a common language. Hebrew is the official language, but English is the required second language that they study in their schools. The English language is and has been the most universally spoken and read language all over the world for the last 400 years. A person can spend decades trying to obtain a working use and knowledge of the biblical Greek and Hebrew, or they can spend a relatively short period of time gaining a working use of English, if they do not already know English. The King James Bible translators began to study Greek and Hebrew from the time they were able to speak words, for the most part. They spent decades in mastering the original languages of the Bible manuscripts before they were ever began, before they ever began to translate the King James Bible. They were not distracted with TV or video games or radios or all the other activities that we're commonly distracted with in this modern age. The vast majority of their time as was true for many people in that age, was spent in a scholarly pursuit of learning Greek and Hebrew. Well, so-called modern theologians study Greek and Hebrew for an average of one to three years in a Bible seminary. They think that this short time gives them the authority to become Greek and Hebrew scholars who are capable of correcting God's Word. They often spout off things from their pulpit about this Greek rule or that Greek rule in order to make themselves sound learned and intelligent and authoritative while they're correcting the King James Bible in front of their people. They claim that the original manuscripts said something different from what the manuscripts which we have in our possession today say. In other words, they'll point to a word or phrase or passage and they'll say this word or phrase or passage was not in the original manuscripts. Now my question to you and them is this. How could they possibly know that? No one has seen or read the original manuscripts for almost 2,000 years. They're not here. No one has them. 
They cannot be found. Yet men stand in their pulpits and make statements like, well, this word or this passage was not in the original manuscripts. How could anyone know that? No one has seen or read the original manuscripts for more than 1,900 years. They've all been lost to mankind, or perhaps, I don't know, perhaps God has hidden them away somewhere until sometime in the future. The oldest manuscripts in existence are mere small pieces of paper containing a very few words. And they are, most of them, less than 1,400 years old. There's not one single slice of paper or goatskin remaining from the original manuscripts. The oldest that's in existence is a very small piece about the size of a business card, which dates back to the second century. I believe the truth of the King James Bible perfectly fits what King David said in Psalms 12. He said, the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them. That word keep means to guard something, to to oversee something, and to diligently take care of it and to guard it. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. It's not the purpose of this particular podcast to go into an exhaustive study concerning the technical, textual arguments concerning the textual criticism of the various Greek and Hebrew texts. It is merely my purpose to try and explain in some simple terms why and how we have come to the convoluted state of biblical affairs that we are in now. If I did try and go in detail, probably everyone would have ended this message before now. The simple truth is, we either have a preserved and inspired book of Holy Scriptures, or we do not. If man had to repair it or put it back together, then there are more problems with our religion than can be written down in a series of books. God either preserved it or he did not. If he did not, then he lied, and he's not the all-powerful God. He claims that he is. If he did preserve his word, if he has kept his word pure, as he said he would, where is his word? We have 900 books claiming to be the word of God, which do not say or teach the same things or use the same words. They all cannot be the pure word of God. I'm fairly convinced that God's about to close the door in his dealings and plan for mankind. I'm convinced it is all about to come to an end. Now, I don't know when that's going to happen. And when I say about, I mean it could be the next few minutes or it could be many, many years down the road. But compared to the last 2,000 years of history, I don't believe that it is going to be another 2,000 years before God wraps up his dealings of grace with mankind. And I'm convinced that when he gave the King James Bible, it was God's preamble to bringing everything he's been doing among mankind in the body of Christ to an end. 
The truth of the King James Bible became more readily available to the common man and it helped spawn the movement into America of men and women seeking religious freedom. In all probability, America is the last stand for the propagation of the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we stand in serious doubt right now in this country, how much longer the freedom to teach and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and take open stands for the truth of the word of God. How much longer we're going to have that freedom? America, for the time being, is still the center of missions. It has been since its inception. It is the center of missions and missionary work all around the world and spreading the gospel of the Lord Jesus throughout the world. The translation of the truth of the Word of God into the King James Bible, as much as anything, spurred the movement that produced the forming of the United States of America. Where else could one go in this world where the effort in spreading the gospel has been as productive and intense over the last 250 years as it has been in the United States? And I'm, I'm convinced all of this came about as a direct result of the Holy Spirit of God moving behind the King James Bible. Now, don't misunderstand me. I do not believe that America is some type of divine nation. It is not and never has been. But God has always used societies of people all throughout history to spread his gospel from nation to nation to all of mankind. And he's done this with America. Oh, much in the same way that he did it with the churches in places like Thessalonica and Philippi as they took the word of God out to other parts of the world. The church in Thessalonica is said to have taken the gospel of Jesus Christ to every man and woman in the nation area, which is now Greece. That's a landmass of maybe about the size of the state of Georgia. But those men and women, shortly after they received the gospel, they took it out. And the Bible says that they, there, was, there was no one that they missed. They, they took the word of God to every village, every hut, to every man and woman in that area. And when you consider the mode of transportation at that time, that was a stunning achievement. And they did it in less than 18 months after the gospel was preached to them by the Apostle Paul. They did it without radio. They did it without automobiles. They did it without TV. They did it without sound system. They just did it. They went out on foot and took the truth of the Word of God to every man and woman in that area. It's always been the case that when the Spirit of God does something for the benefit of mankind, Satan and the forces of evil copy and imitate what the Spirit has done. But their imitation is always a corruption of the truth of the Spirit of God. Satan's activities are always designed towards the destruction and damnation of mankind. He is not the friend of men. Someone asked me one time, but, but the, don't the other translations contain the truth? Well, in part, in many of them, that's true. A, many, a person can read many of the translations and find some various truth inside them. But they do not, in, uh, they do not teach the entire truth, and counsel of God. Paul, when he was saying his goodbye to the church at Ephesus, he told them that 
In his preaching and teaching, he had kept back nothing that was profitable to them. He had preached to them all the counsel of God. And he had commended them, and that is turned them over to God and to the word of God. Now, if you don't have the entire, completed, preserved, authoritative word of God, none of that is possible. Without the completed, preserved, inerrant book of God, the entire counsel of God can never be preached and it can never be known. There is no way to distinguish between the lie of evil and the truth of God. You see, the devil's always gotten close to the truth, but not the actual truth. His methods have always been to add or take away enough of the truth where it will be perverted and damning. He's famous for getting very, very close to the truth, but yet far enough away to deceive and damn the souls of men and women. Hence the word version. Version. The tactics and methods of Satan have always been to teach a version of the truth, but not enough of the truth to spiritually benefit mankind. His truth is deceptive, and it's a corruption of the truth of God, and it's not the pure truth of God. He is the great imitator and deceiver and the author of lies. I suppose one can dress up a hog and call it a sheep, but it's always going to be a hog, and it will forever return to the muck and the mire of sin and damnation. Suppose for a second that I was giving you directions as to how to get somehow, somewhere down the road. You came to me and said, how do you get so-and-so? In order for you to get to where you, had, you wanted to go, you had to make several turns. And in the process of telling you how to get there, I left out or changed one or more of the turns. Instead of my telling you to turn right, I told you to turn left. And instead of telling you to turn left at the next intersection, I told you to go straight ahead. Well, you see, you'd never arrive at your destination by following my wrong directions. That is what he has done in bringing the prominence, all the hundreds, I'm talking about Satan, all the hundreds of translations which exist today. They are perversions of the truth of the word of God. They pervert, change, and alter the commandments of the Lord to us and for us. Paul said in Romans, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the, to the doctrines which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. That's exactly what Satan has done in his efforts to pervert the truth of the word of God. He's deceived the hearts of the simple. In our next message, I'll attempt to answer some of the criticisms that men hurl against the King James Bible in attempts to defame it and convince others that they should be buying their new, new, new translations. God bless you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. I hope you'll tune in to the next lesson in this study. God bless you.